We spent a lot of time at Plugged In talking about how culture and entertainment influence us in general. Today I want to get personal and talk about how we've seen culture and entertainment really influence us, those of us sitting right here in front of the microphones today. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and pop culture. Thanks for joining us today. Well, you know what? We have had lots of people over the years write to us at Plugged In and accuse us of being stuffy, accuse us of being haters, accuse us of being robots, and some things even worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe some of that criticism was accurate. But I think it's important for you, our listener, to understand that we have all worked through this stuff personally as well. And as I mentioned, even as we talk about the reality of how entertainment shapes and influences those around us, I think it's important to look at ourselves too. And as we talk about this topic, I think we can recognize that entertainment influences other people, but sometimes it can be kind of hard for us to take a look in the mirror and and say, wow, it really influences me too. So today I'm joined by Jonathan McKee, Paul Acey, and Kristen Smith. And we are going to kick around stories about how we have seen popular culture, entertainment, things in that general universe influence us in our own lives. Uh, And I'm going to not waste any more time here. We're just going to dive straight in. We're going to share some stories, and then we're going to talk about some observations on what we have learned looking back at our lives on how culture has influenced us and maybe what some of the takeaway is for you as the listener as you look at your own lives and your own influences in the realm of media and entertainment. So with no further ado, I'm going to just toss this wide open and we'll be off like racehorses at uh, Churchill Downs, or at least maybe some of us, I guess. What's we'll, happening? I guess we'll <laughs> see, right? <laughs> so as you look back at your life, what are some places where you can say, man, this was a huge influence in my life, but I didn't really realize it at the time? Okay, so I have one, and this is going to be the weirdest example. And I'm not going to say it was a huge influence, but it was an influence. It'll get so, us started. Yeah. It's, and I figure if we each tell a couple of stories, we yeah. can then segue into a bigger conversation about the so what. We'll start with the shallow. So <laughs> in high school, I watched Bring It On with one of my friends. And that's like a cheerleader movie? Uh-huh. Yep. And there's this <laughs> I never scene. Saw well, I did. And there was this scene <laughs> where she's brushing her teeth next to her crush um, and this is sounds so bizarre, but <laughs> the way she was brushing her teeth, like <laughs> in the past, right. You know, like if you brush your teeth, you got like stuff all over your face. Like she didn't do that. It was just this like really clean way to brush your teeth. And I remember watching it thinking, Hmm, I feel like that would probably be a less gross way to brush my teeth. And I kid you not. I've brushed my teeth like that ever since I saw the movie in high wow. school. Isn't that so bizarre? Well, and now you have weird. 14 cavities. <laughs> it, it is bizarre, but it really proves my point in that I think that we can see entertainment as something that influences other people. It's like, oh, we got to be careful about this because other people are susceptible to the ideas and the images they see on screen. 
but it's a great it's a great story to get our conversation <laughs> kicked off. It's a perfect example because I think that it's those little things sometimes that influence us more than the big things in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And although brushing your teeth more neatly is probably a good thing because <laughs> I know when I I'm, I'm a really messy toothbrush user. Yeah, it's actually yeah. turned a really strange yeah. confessional corner already. <laughs> and, I, and I find myself, I get like... How like, brush teeth? <laughs> I think, wait, there's toothpaste all over my shirt and now I have to change it. But that's another story. See, I judge people like that now. Yes. Because I've learned a better way. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I well, can I mean, see you got judging your, me now. You got your up and down brushing and your back and forth brushing. And I that, just go crazy. <laughs> or Small circles. You're small circles. <laughs> having some sort of a fit brushing. <laughs> small what else circles. did you learn, Paul? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you're talking about how these people act on screen, it really does influence us. We, we know from studies that people who smoke on screen can cause or at least influence how people smoke in real life. For me, I, I've can I always... push the pause button right there. I just want to take a plugged in parenthetical. You're not just making stuff up there. There's no. a study uh, done by the Rand Corporation, I think in the early 2000s, that attributed as much as 50% of teen smoking initiation to movies. Yeah. And there was actually wow. for a time a movement to make any depiction of smoking on screen an automatic R rating because of they oh can't, they can't prove yeah. causation, but the statistical correlation is so strong that, uh, you know, lest anybody think Paul's off on his conservative rant early in our discussion. That's As a, I tend to do. That's a great example. And now back to your story because this is, well, you know, it's really true. And, personal. And so I used to 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 watch, and I still do. I'm, I'm a big old movie fan where smoking and drinking were huge and things. Constant, constant, constant. And you can see how smoking would really appeal to somebody, especially in, in an impressionable age because it looks so cool and so mature. That was not something that I fell into. But... When I saw Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, there's a scene in there where all the characters are sort of swirling this brandy around their brandy snifters, right? And it just looks so mature Is and snifter elegant. snifter a word? I think so. Okay. I'm hoping so. Um, so they, they're just swirling their brandy. And when I became of age, I thought, you know what? I'm going to drink some brandy and swirl it around in a glass just like uh, they did classy. in Rear Window. I love yeah. that your, your story is still PG enough that you waited until you were legal to snifter your brandy. You know, Even though snifter's not a that, verb, I don't think. It's a glass actually glass. I, th- I know what it is i'm messing with see, you see <laughs> but and and it was really not very good i mean you don't want to start off your drinking history with with brandy and oh a boy. snifter I that's don't another think. podcast oh, wow. probably Jonathan? for another organization no 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 no, no. it would just tasted bad it wasn't it didn't lead me into bad places that's fine jonathan Kristen <laughs> no, had the right it. impulse here and I love the fact that it was an Alfred Hitchcock film that led him astray. Right. Yes. Yeah. Alfred so, Hitchcock leading the children to film too. I thought he was brandy in I thought he hands. was going to talk about how he looked in the dark room and you could just barely see the glow of him smoking there after he killed his wife. But anyway, that's another scene <laughs> oh from the same goodness. movie. Um, uh, no, I, you know, for me um, as a, as a kid, uh, you know. Paul and I could probably tell the same story of, you know, getting picked on as, as we're younger and, and, and fleeing to movies is kind of an escape. And, uh, when it got to high school, another thing that I found is I always found that, you know, 
if I had these quick little interjections and these funny little, you know, uh, you know, I, I could, I could have these funny quips that I would just like say back and, and people would laugh. And so I kind of, I actually started taking a little poke at comedy, uh, even in college. I remember doing my first, uh, open mic stand up and stuff like that. And so I started listening to lots of comedians and it was interesting because this past year, uh, during COVID, I went back and I saw some of the movies I saw with uh, the comedians I was watching and listened to some of the stand-up comedy acts. And I had forgot, but I started kind of adopting some of the phraseology, uh, some of the the turn of phrase, let's say. And uh, there was one particular comedian, I'm not going to say who it was because it's just too embarrassing. <laughs> um, but there was this one that I listened to and literally some of the phrases I still find myself saying today, I was like, oh, my goodness. It was Bobcat Goldthwait, wasn't it? I love Bobcat <laughs> Goldthwait, but no, it wasn't. Uh, and uh, Exactly. Stay tuned next but, week um, where we'll, we'll crack, crack more old jokes. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it, but uh, it, it was interesting. And, and I would even just notice like when I was watching certain movies, I was like, oh, my goodness. I remember that. So it was, it was kind of like this interesting moment, this, uh, this aha realization of, wow, that's, I literally started saying that phrase from that film. So that was, that was interesting to me to see in my desire to be funny and my desire to catch a laugh, how I tried, um, some of those techniques that some of those comedians had used and actually started saying some of the things they said, uh, for my lack of own material, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that no, was interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. I, I, I believe that, that Jonathan, and I, I probably had some of the same experiences growing up, right. As, as he alluded to, and as you're sort of moving out of that really awkward age where you're trying to figure out yourself, I I do think you look to media as sort of a template to get out of that, right? right. Like mine was not mine was not comedy, but I did find myself there was a period of about a, a year or two where I I I was I didn't feel quite as as ugly and hopeless as I as I often did, and I realized that there were actually some girls who kind of liked me, and I thought, oh. This has some interesting possibilities. So I watched. <laughs> oh my goodness. I wa well, and and here's the interesting thing. I became sort of a jerk, right? Oh. I became sort of. Did that work for you? It, it kind of did. I know. It kind of did. Right? And, yeah. and here's the thing. It 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 was the what I had seen on TV in movies. You see these really difficult relationships in in these rom coms sometimes, where where the relationships are not very smooth. And sometimes the guys are kind of jerks. So I thought, well, that must be how I need to act to, you know, woo a certain female. So I was aloof. I was cynical. I was all this sort of stuff. So nothing's changed. So nothing's really kidding. changed. <laughs> no, but it, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> it's true. These, these influences, like when you're talking about how do I further my social status? How yeah. do I further my relationships? And you don't know necessarily from watching your parents because they're old and out of touch. Right. So it's you true. look, you turn to media to find those clues and it can sometimes be a really bad direction. I, I, I could totally relate. And I think that honestly, the movies I watched affected how I treated my friends, my girlfriends. Um, 
and the way I felt about myself, I, I, I'll give you one specific example because nobody's probably even seen this film. But in the 80s, there was this uh, stupid film. Uh, it was James Spader. It was called Tough Turf. Okay. <laughs> and the reason I remember this film was because I was like probably a junior or senior in high school, um, still dealing with um, kind of fights uh, at school because I got picked on a lot. And I was kind of emerging on my own and starting to actually fight back a little bit. And when I saw this movie, it was about this guy who wasn't really popular, who basically started kind of fighting back. And he ends up getting the girl. And he was kind of a nerdy guy who, but still was kind of cool once he got to know him. And like me, okay, this is gonna really, I'm going to really show my nerd card. He played the piano, all right? And he ends up sitting down and singing this song to this girl. And she's like totally captivated by it. Okay, guys, I literally sat down and learned that song <laughs> on the piano. Okay. I can, I can sing you the lyrics to every word of that this song. This is because, classic. Uh, and, and he ends up getting the girl and everything just like in the movies. And I thought, you know, oh, man, that's exactly. And it literally was almost like served as a map. For me as possibly this is how I could not only survive, you know, in school and the way people thought of me, but like this movie says, get the girl, you know, and and, and that's huge for a young man who's teased, who feels right. like he's never going to get the girl. For those and of us who did not get the girl over me. and over and over again. Yeah. Thank you, James Spader. Yes. I think that's super interesting because I don't know if I've, I don't know if when I was in high school, I don't think I ever felt like I needed a roadmap like that. Like, I don't think that ever came to mind. You are a natural. No, that's not <laughs> what I mean. I mean, I just don't ever know if I like. two kinds of people in this podcast. <laughs> okay. No, I just don't ever know if I sat back and thought, you know, I felt like I needed like a roadmap to get me through. But music for me was huge. Yes. And I felt for me emotionally, I mean, in high school, you already have so many emotions. And I had a lot of emotions. Not everybody <laughs> wanted to listen to them. And I knew that. So I think it, for me, it was like, okay, I needed to find an outlet. Like, how, how can I find someone that's going to relate to me and how I'm feeling, even if it's not in the specific words, like the feeling I'm feeling. So I listened to a lot of like The Fray, John Mayer. It's really moody. It's like slightly depressing as you listen to it longer and longer. And I remember... But really interesting guys singing. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I remember when I when I was in, I think I was a sophomore in high school, my mom, we moved around a lot. And so my mom let me kind of have free reign over like how I decorated my room. And so she got me like paint and I... Anyway, I ended up painting my room teal and orange. We won't talk about it. I thought you were going to say you painted <laughs> but, a portrait of John Mayer. No, no, wall. no. But his poster was hanging on my wall, but it's fine. Right. Anyway, so I, I paint my whole room, and I remember listening. This is when we had CDs, listening to The Fray over and over and over again. And I would just sit up there for hours, and that CD is really depressing. Yeah. Um, but I was so into it, and I was so into my emotions, and I didn't want to come out, and I was just like, I love this space. You know, like I'm all up in my feelings. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> painting my room but really that and I don't think it was negative it really I really felt like it helped me kind of come home from school and like all the people that may not have understood me or if I felt like I didn't fit in a certain area I could just come home and listen to this thing and it helped me kind of have a safe place yeah well, 
One thing that you've often mentioned, Adam, is just how powerful music can be. It it is really Mm -hmm. such an emotional trigger, and especially when you're at that age where you're feeling all the feelings. Um, Feeling the feels. Feeling the feels. (laughs) And it can still have such a power even, even as we get older, you know, because I think even in my life now, um, music can almost be as impactful as a drug in a way because it literally lifts you up. Well, it doesn't literally lift you up, but it it (laughs) takes you from a place where you're in into a different sort of emotional space. And for for me, that can be dangerous, you know, in in some ways, because if you hear a song that sends you into a darker place, that can be not very good. Well, and it can be artificial too, but I think, you know, we know from science, not to go all nerdville here, but it does actually lift you up because it those songs that we bond with as teens, mm. scientists say by the time we hit our mid-20s, we actually don't bond with music in the same way. Totally like, makes sense. All of us loved the songs of our teen years, and we would all say, this is the best music that was ever made. Mm. And we tend to diss other periods because we didn't grow up with those songs. But what happens is your brain, when you hear those songs, you get a little dopamine hit and your brain's like, oh, man, this is so great. And last night at dinner, my wife put an 80s mix on. And we're, you know, making spaghetti, singing Don't You Forget About Me. Yeah. And it's like, it was like we were in our own John Hughes movie in the kitchen <laughs> 30 years later. Well, and you think about it. I just think about about Kristen as she's, as, there's probably songs that take you right back to that room. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. You listen to those and you're painting your room again. Well, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, like Kristen said, I don't know if I was looking for a map. I, I wasn't looking for a map. I didn't think I needed you were a looking map. For love. But what I didn't realize is how <laughs> influential media was being. And music is by far one of the most influential. Yeah. And we're just and by the way, we're not just a bunch of people sitting around a table, you know, saying, yeah, music affects it. Well, show me some research. Uh, there is none. No, there is. There's actually tons of it. Journal Pediatrics yeah. has done research on it for years. Um, 2015, researchers from the University of Central Florida tackled a project where they examined a relationship between sexual content in yep. music lyrics and music mm-hmm. videos and connect, and that connection between that and the sexual behaviors of young people. They discovered, and I quote, exposure to music containing sexual content is associated with engagement in risky sexual behaviors. That was that 2015 study. Journal Pediatrics had a study where they actually showed that kids who listen to music with all with the you know strong sexual lyrics and stuff and and by the way I mean it's you don't have to go very far <laughs> to right. find that we're twice as likely to engage in sexual activity within the next two years twice as likely so it's fascinating when you see the power of music I uh, at one of my workshops a parent came up to me afterwards and was telling the story and and you, when you hear this stuff week after week you start to just you start to see it out there in the real world. And for her, she shared about her daughter who had discovered TikTok. And of course, TikTok is kind of the combination of music and video and social media all in one. Yep. And she said, she goes, I made the mistake of letting my and her daughter was not young. She was like 15 or 16 and had let her have TikTok. And she said over a period of three weeks, she goes, we noticed her start to change. We would hear her like singing in her room and we didn't know what was going on. She goes, finally, I went in and I looked at the videos she'd been posting and she goes, I could not believe my ears, the foul lyrics she was posting. She said she started dressing differently. 
she started literally walking in the room differently with this different attitude. And she goes, I lost my little girl in a matter of mm. three weeks. Now, wow. I'm not saying if your kids listen to TikTok, they're going to be gone in three weeks. That's not what we're trying to communicate. But what I'm saying is some of us, like myself, I look back at me. I was really searching for something. And I didn't yep. know I was on a quest, but I was on a quest. And for me, you know, this comedians and media filled this void. And I thought, let me try that. For this young girl, she thought, this is what I need that'll make me more liked by guys. And if I act this way and if I do this, and media is very powerful. We need to be aware of the cultural's influence. That's probably one of, I think, the most accurate things I've heard, especially for teen girls. I'm just speaking about myself specifically. Um, I remember in high school, I, I don't know if it probably affected me as much because I also listened to a lot of other things. Um, I listened to a lot less like rap and R&B that had more, you know, like sexual content and sexual language. Um, but as I went to college, I remember I had a bunch of stuff happen in my house when I was like late high school, a lot of drama and not great stuff. And so by the time I got to college, I had a lot of reasons I needed to go to counseling for a really long time. Um, and I remember listening to Drake, I would go work out and listen to Drake and I went running and I really remember like one day just. I really remember just one day taking off my headphones and stopping on the treadmill because I was mentally like in a place where I should not have been like, like you were saying, like it really encourages you to do stuff that you probably wouldn't have done had you not listened to that. Now, I don't think everyone's as extreme and it doesn't mean that you will do that thing, but I was mentally in a place where I, I just kind of was like, I'm not going to listen. I felt like I needed to purge. Like I needed to get this out of my system. I'm not going to listen to this anymore. Um, and I think we probably go through phases and periods like that. Like I remember in high school, I went to, um, a Bible camp or like a youth group camp or whatever. And I remember coming home and throwing away all of my secular music. Oh, you and just I, stole my story. Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't really allowed to listen to a lot of secular music anyway. So it was like John Mayer, Yellow Card, like tossing them out the window and and not yeah, listening to it. Yellow Card was really problematic. I know. I know. <laughs> not listening to it for very long. Um, but then I, I, as, I reviewed that album. Oh, it was great. Way. I saw them live. But anyway, <laughs> a few a few years later, I repurchased all the same music. And I really felt like it was a maturity thing. Like I had come to a place emotionally where I could handle the thing, where I could have those emotions and kind of go to that place mentally where I liked the music without associating my behavior with it. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. But it took time to get there. Yeah. And I think that... Um, there's so many things. Honestly, we could almost have an entire podcast just on music alone. But I think music exerts its power, and I've said this on the Plugged In show before, in a different way than other other media. So you watch your favorite movie, you know, even if you have a movie you love, you know, even if you binged it two or three times in a week, at some point you're you're not going to come home and watch the same movie every day for a year. Uh, you play a video game, even if it's a big video game and it takes you 40 or 50 hours to play through, you're probably not going to keep playing that game. Right. Music is the exception. Yeah, it is. Music is a three, four, five minute thing that you can put on repeat. And I don't know about you guys, but when I was young and even to this day, when I have a song that I like, mm -hmm. 
I might listen to it 20 times in a row. Yep. I mean, I'd go into this obsessive Same. mode. And back in the day, we had to stop to rewind it. So you really had to want it. Thank you, back. Spotify. I know, right? Um, and And so you get those messages reinforced over and over and over and over and over again, maybe thousands of times. And getting back to the dopamine thing, even as an adult, there are lots of things that I may have enjoyed as a teen that I would watch as an adult and think, yeah, that was dumb. A lot of the stuff from the 80s is not aged very well, but the music from that period of time in my life continues to produce that emotional response like we were talking about earlier. Let me share a example of how this works in a positive way. Last year was one of the toughest years of my life, and we just went through uh, some family tragedy, and it was just, it was a very tough time personally, and it got to a point where I literally just fell before God on the floor and started crying out to him and just started praying, and, and I was like, God, I, I, I need you so bad, and, um, and I started changing a lot of things, I, and one of the things I did is... I said, uh, just not out of like a discipline, not like a, oh man, I better do this. But Mm -hmm. I literally craved God's presence because he swooped down and he saved me and he rescued me from this feeling. And um, I made a playlist on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you follow me, you can go find a playlist. I made it (laughs) and it's called Lord, I Need You. And it started Mm -hmm. with, you know, the Matt Meyer song, Lord, I Need You. And I just started adding songs to it. And it was all songs about crying out to him. I mean, it was like Lauren Daigle's first and, and just, uh, you know, Holy Spirit and hungry. And, and I mean, just be held by casting crowns and, um, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, Hillary Scott, thy will be done. I mean, just so many things. And that list I started soaking in day after day and just worshiping the Lord and for me, it was just huge because I just craved um, saturation of the Holy Spirit, and I just needed that um, because because I was empty. And it was um, it was so cool how using a tool like Spotify, I was able to worship. And I'm you don't need Spotify to worship. I mean, you can worship on your own, alone, you know, in a room. You know, God doesn't care. You can just start singing at the top of your lungs. I've done it. But it was so cool how I just found that I actually started more than throwing on my favorite country list like I used to do. Um, I just started throwing on that playlist and the playlist got bigger and I started adding cool songs to it. And I found myself just, you know, whether I was even driving to the store or whatever, um, worshiping a lot more through the day. And it's amazing how much when you saturate yourself with that, how much it starts to flow out of you and the way you treat others and and the way you talk to others, the way you look at others. And I noticed a change in my life, not just from the worship, but also I was, you know, soaking in the word more, but Hmm. um, it was fascinating because it was the first time in my life where I did it because I wanted to do it, Hmm. not because I felt like I had to, because I was guilted into it. Interesting. I literally craved it and it fed my soul. Hmm. And uh, so music, man, still, I, I will hear some of those songs and I will break into tears. And you guys know I'm a wimp, but I, but I, I, <laughs> I literally thing. will weep during some of those songs because I'm like, ah, I remember on floor crying, God meeting mm. me in wow. that song. Wow. Music's pretty powerful. Yeah, no, Jonathan, I mean, not, I'll make this short, but I, I felt very similar. Um, in high school, my best friend died. Hmm. And I remember 
um, I remember listening to like kind of doing the same thing a playlist, but I didn't really process it until like I was in college. Um, and so I, to this day, like there are songs like that, like worship songs that I can go back to. And I just remember the Lord like leading me through this like really tough season. And it really was a mental shift to go from like listening to all these songs that sort of like solidified negative behaviors and patterns that I had created to shift, to listen to stuff. And it was almost like a fresh start, like to listen to something that was going to say, like, I'm, I'm going to think differently. I'm going to act differently. I'm going to try to do things differently. And and music really helped me too. Mm. Mm. Wow. I love that. And I think it's a a good segue into bringing our conversation to a close today. But what I want to do is I just want to make several observations on what we have talked about and some things that I've noticed in our conversation today. Influence, when we use the word influence, it can be kind of abstract. It's like there's this thing out there that's somehow working on us, right? But what I have noticed in our conversations today is is some things about what influence looks like on a very personal level. As we've just been talking about, our media and entertainment choices tap into our emotions. First and foremost, they can produce a deep emotional response. And when when we're in that place, I think that we're wide open to all kinds of ideas. And it could be a negative idea planted by, you know, kind of the songs that Kristen was talking about, or it could be a positive idea, like what Jonathan was talking about and what Kristen was just talking about with regard to really basking in that truth. So our entertainment choices are almost by definition emotional and emotions are powerful things. And we need to be paying attention to that both in ourselves and in our families, in our children. You know, what kind of things push their buttons? What kind of things seem to really connect with them in a way that opens up their heart? And and how do we need to be interacting with that as parents? Because it could be in a positive way. It could be in a negative way. Uh, I think a, another observation I would make is that media can be so imitative. You know, we see something and maybe we had never had that idea before, but we immediately just go integrate it into our lives. And sometimes we do it like you were talking about with your story with James Spader. Sometimes it's conscious and deliberate. Oh, this solves this problem. I'm going to do what I saw in the movies. Sometimes I think it's more, uh, it's not even at the conscious level. I've shared this before, but I remember after I saw Top Gun when I was 16, I came out of the theater, I'm driving down the freeway and I looked down and I was doing almost 100 miles an hour. And it wasn't because I made a rational choice to go drive fast. It was because I was so amped up by what I had just seen. I was so excited that I just naturally imitated it. So our our entertainment choices can produce that kind of imitative response. And then I think another element that we've talked about here is that, uh, and this uh, it overlaps a little bit with imitative, is entertainment can produce an aspirational response. I want to be like that. I am this. I want to be that. And again, that could be a good thing and it could be a bad thing. So I think for those of you who are raising kids today, and I'm seeing this in my 10, 12, and 14-year-olds, I'm beginning to see what entertainment choices really impact them in positive and negative ways. Just just look for that. What are they drawn to? What produces that emotional response? What are they identifying with? That's another thing is we will identify with people. I think that's why John Hughes movies were so amazingly popular in the 80s. Absolutely. Because... 
it was this cast of misfits. And for those of us who didn't fit the jock stereotype, which was a lot of us, we could probably find somebody in a John Hughes movie that we identified with that maybe gave us hope that (laughs) this doesn't have to always feel as bad as it feels right now. Mm -hmm. So I hope that our conversation today has given you a little bit of insight into us personally. I hope that it's given you some ideas to think about in terms of your own experiences and your family's experiences right now. And if you have something you would like to share, we would love to hear from you on Facebook and Instagram. Share your story with us. What was a formative influence uh, in your life? Uh, Or where are you seeing media really influence your children today? What questions do you have? If there's anything that we've talked about that has you know, really prompted a deeper question, uh, we would love to hear about that as well. And, you know, we always like to give you an opportunity to go deeper with the things that we're talking about. And as our thanks for being a part of the Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. And you'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for today's conversation Or, you know, if it's easier, just pick up your phone and give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY, and we would love to send you a copy of Paul's excellent book. Well, as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us for our weekly conversation on The Plugged In Show, and we hope that you'll join us again next week for another great conversation about how entertainment, pop culture, and technology influence you and your family. Oh,